1: only from Rustolium.
2: This is part two, best of man baggage. We're calling it bulging baggage because my mental age is 12 and we all know I'm thinking of a scrotum when I say it. The statistics suggest that men do bury their fears more because we know the dark side of burying your fears is bad mental health outcomes and and suicide. So we know the greatest risk to a man under 50 is not testicular cancer, not cardiac disease, not drug abuse, not car accident, it's themselves.
3: I I like to think that there is, like, like, weirdly, how Tony explained the curve, like, with the sort of difference from a straight guy to a gay guy, I think it's a little bit more progressive. I actually think that men will stop becoming more progressive but what i'm noticing is that guys so if i'm having you know if people are here having a sunday roast or like having a party what will tend to be is there'll be a certain type of guy who will be more inclined to like hang out with the girls and therefore he'll like completely splurge his emotions so he might not be doing it to his mates in the same way so i'm noticing that a lot more guys are sort of being a lot more emotive around women but i sort of feel like collectively I'm looking at two groups of my friends in my head here because I do have some guys who are really, really uh, emotionally aware and, and like, really, you know, talk through everything with them, you know, their mates, their partners and everything, and it's definitely a modern thing. But, yeah, I mean, I think how, with programming and everything, I think that that is completely right.
2: While I've got you, Gizzy, but what do you think men's, instinctively men's biggest fears are?
3: It's a strange dichotomy of being fearful of how they present themselves. I think it is simply male pride, dare I say it. Male pride is very much a, bit, a big thing that I notice. So um, I guess it's trying to, like, manage that. But you know, that said, you know, I don't think that that's uncommon for women as well, you know, that to be sort of proud and trying to sort of manage their people's
4: expectations of what they feel about them.
2: Do you think it's more status-based with men? The fear of loss of, of status?
4: Yeah, I think also it's got a lot to do with men are more fearful around age. I think that, you know, where, as a man of 50 plus, we get to a point in our life where, you know, we start lying about our age. I've lied about my age since I was 11. I've told people I was always older. The only time I actually got real was when I was turned 50, when I embraced <laughs> it, you know, I've spent a lifetime of being 36 on grinder. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Chuck? too, I'm, young, I'm we, younger We always lie about our age yeah, and yeah. I think,
3: Tony, you actually showed me grinder for the very first time. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do
4: remember, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a real struggle for men, getting old, feeling that they're not going to be like, you know, they're losing their looks, they're losing everything. So that's it, especially when we go into a midlife crisis of getting a bigger car, you know, and all of that stuff that we go through when we hit 40. It's, a, it's definitely an age thing. It's a fear of, of not being sexy anymore, not being wanted, not being having, uh, you know, not being able to pull the way we used to pull.
2: But you know, women have a, surely, I mean, the status thing, the cars and everything, but when it comes to...
4: But with women, the majority of women I know do something about it. They go and have facial work done. A lot of men I know, apart from the gay ones, wouldn't dream of having Botox. They wouldn't dream of having fillers. Do you get know what I'm saying, Jude? And they age really rapidly. I mean, most people of my age... Have wrinkles, I don't, because I do something about it. Do you know what I mean? I have a very good skincare range, like routine that I do. I have, I'm quite happy to admit that I have Botox and everything else that I have done to myself because I want to look younger. I, it's not even a matter of looking younger. I want to look good.
2: Do you think men and women's definition of self-care is different than men are more likely to give like a physical answer? Like a go like, beat up the punch bag or go for a run <laughs> Or go and no. shout wanker at a tree. And I just let that steam. I just did that. And, break, and the actually, girls yeah. are like, I just like I like, a, I like a I like a reflective moment with my frankincense candle.
5: I think it's down to the individual because even like for me, I would say it's a physical thing or it's it's a doing thing. Whether that's gardening, I, I just spent like a few weeks knocking down a brick wall in the garden. That's me felt weirdly like self care because I wasn't thinking. I wasn't all of my other responsibilities were gone. I was just focused yes. on this brick wall. And um, whereas you know for but other women, it might be going to the nail place, <laughs> the nail salon and getting the nails done or getting the hair done. Whereas for me, I, I don't like that stuff because I get like ants in my pants. I need to be doing something. Yeah. So I think it's down to the individual. I'm sure men are the same. I'm sure some men like going out for a run, whereas other men love their self-care is seeing their mates and watching the football, maybe.
2: Yeah, but do you, do you think the term itself, though, has got, like, a, a feminine taint? I mean, it's all very it's all very well being middle class and seeing what we like, but if you look at your average, like, working-class bloke, Terry and Gary and Lee and Darren on the WhatsApp group, one of them said, I'm going to just have a day off for a bit of self-care, lads. I can't see that going by without some banter coming back. Does
5: anyone use the term?
2: Well, I think they do, Yeah. I think they do. A really? bit of self-pampering self, self pampering would, would be another way yeah. a, pam, a pamper da- Try being a bloke who's into bath bombs
6: and see what your life's like. <laughs> and there are, there are a lot that, of us. Yeah. There's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I haven't tried bath bombs yet but the kids are obsessed with them so maybe I'm missing a trick there. That's... Forget all this running malarkey. Maybe I just need a good bath bomb.
5: Can you imagine your career's over because you've discovered the bath bomb?
6: (laughs) My career was over. Greg Rutherford is no
5: longer an athlete.
6: You set off such a violent one, you're out for another four months. (laughs) (laughs) I can trip over a flat floor, to be honest. That will
2: happen. It was a lavender one, did both machines. What about sort of negative self-care that gives you the positive outcome? So, for example, uh, myself and Lindsay went out last night. We drank way too much tequila and ate shit chicken. Definitely took time <coughs> off of our life. Definitely feel like shit today, but weirdly needed. Or having a bad day. I'm not talking about people that have got a compulsive eating problem. I'm just saying treat yourself now and again to a Mackey D's. So it's, it's self-care mentally, but physically detrimental. It's a sort of paradox of self-care.
6: No, but you can get so much out of eating and drinking. I mean, obviously, well, fundamentally, we have to do it to, to survive. But if there's that food that is a bit a bit crap and, and it, you know it's not great for you, but that's what's going to make you happy. I mean, obviously, as long as it doesn't turn into something all the time, I think because obviously then your health's going to suffer yeah. from that and that's just a, it's got a sort of snowballing effect of, of, of issues. But no, I think there's no issue with that at all. And I think this is the big, the big problem in, in the world as well, is that you're told so often you can't do so many things or you shouldn't do that, that actually you then completely mm. remove it from your life in, in every aspect, which then means that actually you crave it more. Then when you do it, you feel even worse about yourself and it's just a vicious spiral.
2: Say so you get into your late 20s and 30s and you still get people that remain jealous. Do you think it's almost seen like a feminine trait. I know there's plenty of jealous men out there who are like hyper-masculine putting their foot through the connecting wall when they've had a drink. Oh, you stared at a bloke over the snooker pool table, Carol. I know that, but there's something feminine about it as a trait. It's almost like a, a sort of a, a weakness that could be seen as like a feminine type of behaviour, worrying about, oh, you're going to leave me and all that. And some blokes probably don't want to verbally express what they're feeling.
7: Yeah, no, but look, there's definitely blokes here, and I know it's an insecurity thing. They're just probably thinking, they might be lonely, but they've done the whole masculine thing of, of like, yeah, no, I don't talk about my feelings, I'm fucking sweet, and I'm sweet as a night, da, 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 that's, everything's great. But then deep down, they're thinking, I don't want to be on my own, don't want to be on my own. So then that might come out in like a jealousy way when it, when really it's just them feeling insecure. So their bird goes on holiday or on a night out and they're, they're, on, they're sitting on their own with their own thoughts that are not great at the time. So sometimes it can be it can be that, and then then she's going fucking look at this lunatic, he's drinking me again, and wants me to come home. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? But like it might be that he's genuinely feeling down. But I suppose that works both ways. I suppose, does not
2: it? Yeah, but as a bloke, you tolerate it more. Like when, if I'm dating a a girl, or I've been dating girls. In the past, and, gills. Uh, and gill, I love gills. that you're so many girls, gills, g i double as Lindsay <laughs> says. I said, Yeah, so and you get a text and you're out, and the bird's like, oh, yeah, I hope you're behaving like men sort of laugh at it and expect it. That's what I mean. It's a stereotypical behavior to expect. Whereas, as a man, you'd be so ashamed if you found out that your girl was showing your insecure text message. You're not talking to any blokes, are oh. you? You'd feel like a bitch for sending it.
8: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> I think girls do actually do that. They do share it. Not that you've ever done it, Russell, with me, but uh, you know, we do share. I'm not going to lie,
7: that's the first thing I did. The girls so, you gave yourself, like, well, Look, she said, look, am I? No, you're cool saying. So cool,
2: so <laughs> what type of things would make you jealous then, Jack? Because, so I'm like quite an, un. I can be frustratingly unjealous some, sometimes, but what the one thing that will get me slightly insecure, I suppose, would be if it's someone who's close to my personality type, does what I like. The closer someone gets to being like me, Are you single at the moment, Jack, or not? Yeah, yeah. But let's say you meet someone, you fall in love, heart flushed down the toilet. Sort of. Totally, Totally secure. You're banging love. But she's going away. It's only a fucking nice little weekend with the girls. Nothing to worry about. But there's a guy there. His name's Jack as well. He's into boxing. He's a bit of a geezer. He's just like you in so many ways. And it's getting closer and closer. Maybe he's had a couple more fights than you. (laughs)
7: I'd <laughs> go, right, go right, you're not going.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you could, the thing is, you could
7: never, I'd never go that far and be like all like weird about. No, saying. but you get the you feeling in your go, guts is what I'm saying. It's,
2: it's a physical it, feeling. It's not something you choose to feel jealousy, is it's it? Horrible. It's a physical guts feeling.
7: And do you know what? When people talk about jealousy, I've never, ever and never would be jealous of what someone's got. I want everybody to do well or, you know, say someone a bit of calm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Physical, like, you know, like I wouldn't be, you know, I'd be fine. I, I want them to have that. I want you to have a better car. I want you to have a better house. And that, that stuff don't bother me. It's always emotional stuff that I get jealous about. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or a relationship with someone. I remember even when I was a kid, I was a terribly jealous little shit with my mum. Because it, it was just me and my mum like, at the start. And when she, you know, with that boyfriend and stuff, I'd hate it. I'd be like, that's, that's, that's my mum. Get the yeah. fuck away. <laughs> like, how my I stepdad, I mean, they've been married for 14 years now. when I was, I mean, when they got married, I was about 13, 14. How are you put up with me? I'll never know. I was horrible. I was horrible <laughs> oh, to him sure. for the first couple of years. Do you know what I mean? Because it was like, that's my mum. Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't help it. And even my nan and that at the time would say, he's all right, though. I like, oh, I love I love him, but it's, you know, it's my time with my mum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> as you get older, I look back and think, what a fucking weirdo. Genetic. But Yeah, but then now, I suppose, yeah, maybe that, that transfers a little bit onto, you know, other when you get older, I suppose. I don't know.
9: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
2: Gizzy, so what, do you have any, like, big fears, or actually more interested, do you have any, like, sort of petty or irrational fears?
3: I don't know, like, sort of simplifying, like, I mean, I'm 42, and uh back from 43. I've got, I don't know, I'm really lucky when it comes to how, I don't deserve this to put it that way. <laughs> it's like, my lifestyle is, like, head, head and a stick still, and it's, you know, I'm I'm still very much a single woman who uh, has chosen work over having kids. I still don't know how I feel about that, which is a privilege in so many ways. Like, my instincts have never been, I'm internal. I mean, I've got, by all accounts, I'm probably the mad cat lady. I've got four cats, but I'm still hot, so I'm still going to get laid. <laughs> so it's like, um, so it's kind of like, you know, I like, I guess the way that people would perceive those sort of simple, Holistic, um fears about how you feel physically i really don't have it. i do have it about weight if i'm honest like my my weight's gone up over the last few years and i really have to work at that
2: that's difficult in your profession though isn't it? i mean it'd be like I mean, I'm guessing for a DJ being around drugs they don't want to take is is just as bad as a chef being around food they don't want to eat.
4: <laughs> but you know what? I think it'd be worse for a chef. For me, I'd make the choice that I don't no longer want that life. So I see people high or off their nuts, and I think thank God I'm not doing that. Whereas if I was a chef, I would be the size of a house, because I love food so much.
3: No, honestly, it's impossible. Like, you're, you're constantly surrounded by food. Your, do- your job is to constantly taste. There is a discipline that you know, most people would never understand because it is constant. But then also, you know, up until recently I've worked 16 hour days, seven days a week, pretty much. So it's relentless also. And so when you're that tired, you know, there's a lot of drug problems mm. in my industry too, you know, because people constantly need to be on the go. So I, don't I think know, that's one of the most I,
2: disturbing I, films I've watched recently is Boiling Point with Stephen Graham about the head chef. Have you, you? watched it yet? No,
4: I haven't seen it. It's, yeah, it's,
3: it's for me it's, it's very so- frustrating. It's not because it's not my industry that was really annoying for me. It was like I love Stephen Graham. he's one of my favorite actors, and you know I know a lot of the people that were involved in the film. But if I'm going to be completely honest, it was all of the cliche right, okay. box ticking things that you know. Okay, he's going to be addicted to cocaine, and and it's going to be an anger issue, and someone's going to you know like, like I won't tell, give away the plot. But there's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff in there that was sort of not covered enough yet to sort of. Cliche, I don't know, but it is, you know, at the same time, those things do happen. Within my life.
2: Is, is there any fear you've ever had to tackle head on because you've had to get past it for work? It could be the fear of heights, fear of public speaking. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a specific fear, Tony, where you've thought, shit, I'm going to have to push through this one if I want to earn a living.
4: Yeah, I'm a really shy introvert person, and I really <laughs> am. I really am. So, what I do is I overcompensate. I'll be the first to start the loudest. I will laugh, I, you know, I will overcompensate it by being extra loud or I'll be the most vilest person in the room or the bitchiest because of my insecurities. I suffer with uh, imposter syndrome like no one else. I could be flying, like a couple of weeks ago, going to Miami to do a wedding. I was on the plane, sitting at the whole flight. All I could think was, they hate me. They're going to hate what I do. As soon as I get there, they're all going to take the piss out of my music. They're going to hate me. And that's how I think. I will lay awake in bed all night long, dreading going to an airport because I have to go through airport security, I have to be around people. And I will focus on all of the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. I'm, going, I'm flying to Miami, to, like to Palm Beach, and then got 10 days with my boyfriend yeah, on the
3: time of your life, things... No, I will disasterize
4: days. it straight away. And, and that's something that I really have to deal with on a daily basis.
5: Russell, how did it feel... Like, talk us through the feeling that you had when you were eating that dirty chicken, no, dancing great. the night away with tequila. Where
2: we go, we went to the after party for this play we went to see, had a bit of a dance, got in. It was already 1am, it's way too late. And then we got the Deliveroo out, and I was like, shall we? And then we watched an ITV documentary about the canoe man eating chicken at half one in the morning. This is amazing. This is amazing. Right out on the double
6: bed, there wasn't even a table.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
6: By eleven o'clock, I'm knackered. No matter where I am, it's just like I, I don't know what's wrong with me nowadays. From from the years of just being able to stay up all night and have a great time, now I'm exhausted. I'm very impressed by, by sort of one half one. To We've got kids food.
5: and we're getting <laughs> yeah. old. Yeah.
6: yeah, it's definitely that. Those um, <laughs> so going back to what you said
2: earlier, Ajimani. Um, yep. that men do report taking more time for themselves. So this was, I reckon in a survey, if you said who's more into self-care, men or women, the stereotype would be, oh, birds, you know, I mean? but that is not the case. 74% of people consider self-care to mean taking care of their bodies, while 57% think it means taking a mental break. 39% of men say they consistently make time for self-care, while only 32% of women do. That could be the guilt thing. That you were well, talking yeah, you're about. putting
5: yourself at the bottom of the to-do list.
2: And um, Japan comes in top of the league. So in Japanese culture, taking time out to restore one's zen, I suppose, almost 55% of people value that compared to nearly 40% of people in the UK, USA and um, Australia. So there's almost like a guilt in our cultures, like a... Yeah. It's become dangerously associated with a laziness or lack of productivity. Yeah. What did you do? I had a bit. Of, I did self care day. Yeah. Well, I, I sorted out my books. I took the right. I renovated the house. You know, as though that's opposite of of self care. Doing.
5: I remember a little while ago, uh, someone saying about how so often when people say, "Oh, how are you?" Busy is the is the word that. Oh, just busy, busy, and that was kind of the fashion. And actually why is being busy the thing that we are all aiming to be because yeah. you're actually you're blocking out the enjoyment part of life and you know the 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 part that we're busy for you know we all work so that we get to enjoy time with our family and friends so i, I it was really interesting to me that it kind of made me realize that there does need to be a shift and there does need to be a cut off point when it comes to work so that we can enjoy time for ourselves and time for our family plus i think when looking back to what my me time used to be I used to think like a walk with the family was a bit of me time. Whereas actually, when you're walking with your kids and your partner, there's probably only about 30 seconds where everything's completely serene and you look to your partner and go, oh, isn't this great? The rest of it, you're like running after the kids who you've accidentally put on their bikes. You're not on a bike, so you're running after them or someone's about to step in dog poo. You know, there's things going on and you're risk assessing the whole time. Um, So I think (laughs) it is important to to make sure that your self-care and your me time is chilled out and that you are able to switch off within that.
2: Do you think the social media has made it worse, though?
8: Yeah, 100%.
2: Because, you know, like I I went out R&B brunch with my mate the other weekend, me and Dan. It's, it's bottomless rum punch and fried chicken from 12 till 1pm. By 1pm, they clear the tables and it just goes off. Everyone's dancing. I just know Lindsay Poirot's going to be at home with about 100 Instagram stories running on different monitors. Just surveying oh, the area
8: yeah, but you're not like that, that is, I am not but I'm not this is the thing is like with an ex I would have because I didn't trust them but with us I wouldn't like like he he went to Vegas and he got a table and I, and I know how Vegas works I've been there myself many times but I know how that system works. It's like all the girls go to the table. So Ross was like, oh, I've got these girls on the table. Not that I didn't care. I do care. But I'm fine because I trust him, you know, and I like the friends that he's with. And the same with me. Like I, I go out with my friends. I've been to many Vegas trips whilst I've been married to Ross or with him. And, you know, and, and it's just been, we, we just had that trust together. So I think. Yeah, but,
2: but Linz, what about what about this? So, so something, we'll be in a, a club or something. Me and Lindsay do like to go out dancing so we still like to party and um you know some girl might be taking the piss a bit chatting for a bit too long body language is wrong
8: yeah then i'll then i'll hold on i'm like totally i'm
2: closing it i'm closing it down and i'm like but how do you stamp
7: your authority on that
2: like i I bring the conversation back to comedy oh yeah well i've got some shows on tour i'm here with my wife and and speaking like a as though i'm working in in the shop that sells my stand-up i go into that corporate tone and Lindsay's like that's not the point it's about what she's fucking thinking. And my question is, I'm not going to be dragged in a van and forcibly shagged. No. So why is it an issue?
8: From my perspective, I'm not jealous in that situation. I just don't like the feeling of someone trying to take the piss out of me. No, you, so, know, like, you're you're so taking so... it
2: personally, are
7: not you? You're, you're yeah. thinking, you know, you, know, you, know you know I'm with him. Why are you fucking saying yeah. It's, yeah. It? it's yeah. Italian so... jealousy. You
2: fucking yeah. disrespect hey. me. <laughs>
8: When we first got um, together and um, we went out to a club in Manchester, and, and I'd gone, Russell always likes to tell the story that I give myself a water infection because I don't want to go to the toilet and leave him. Yeah, but if it's she, not true. If she goes, yeah, if if she she goes to the, the loo,
2: you know I'm going to be cut, I get covered in like. So she's like, I'd rather get cystitis than have a slash. <laughs>
8: But it's girls that know. (laughs) Yeah, but the the girls know that I'm with him. But they are ruthless. Some of them are ruthless, and it's like I I will be like, get the fuck. I will. Yeah, but the difference is, I
2: suppose the problem is, is it depends what someone. It's not normal job that we've got. No, no, we're not not doing normal jobs. It's not like. I'm just like I was before working in an office, and some birds come over. There's a public facing part of my job. And they want a part of it.
8: That's what they want to do. They want to sit on it. That's what it is. <laughs> they want to sit on it. <laughs> it, is, it, is,
7: it, is, it, is, it is actually really hard to have a relationship like when you're when you a public figure. And I think this Instagram world, you could be any, they might not even know who the fuck you are. They say you've got a blue tick on Instagram, mate. They love you. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I don't really know what to say. It's a bit cringy. I don't know what to fucking do. So. like, uh... yeah.
2: Well, that's the end of Man Baggage Best Of. The bulging baggage is emptied. There's loads of new episodes coming up. Keep tuned. And the guests are amazing. And that's thanks to my wonderful editor, Daisy. Thank you. No, I'm joking. My producer, Raymond. Bye. Bye.
1: Powered by Spirit
5: Studios.